podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their reactions to Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. And I feel like we may well have a bit of crack as we talk about this because that Dave is, you know, in a season of horrors, a rare delight uh, a rare delight in any season, if we're being perfectly honest, mm. a demolishing of much vaunted and touted opposition. I'm going to say the only negative thing I'm going to say for the whole game here or the whole show here, just so we get that clearly out of the way. The reality, nonetheless, is that we are still seven points behind this lot with the same amount of games played. That's how bad we've been so far. But man, if this is a little flag for how we may continue the rest of the season, um, it's an exciting uh, moment uh, to be able to to be able to take a bit of stock. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember that this is arguably the worst Liverpool team since Klopp's first season. And that going into this game, we were being told that Manchester United were right on the verge of something special under Eric Ten Hag, that they were back, that this was the man with the plan, this genius Dutch manager who'd come in and basically was playing the same way as Solskjaer, having spent over 200 million. We were being told that Varane and Martinez were the best centre-back pairing in the league. We were being um, admonished for having suggested that Martinez could struggle as a centre-back in the league. Luke Shaw had overtaken Andy Robertson. Casemiro was the greatest holding midfielder the league had seen since Kane. And Marcus Rashford is the best player in Europe. This is what we were being told pre-game, that this Manchester United team had overtaken us and that we were finished and we have just demolished them 7-0. We have given them the type of beating that good teams give really bad teams. And given how poor we've been for most of this season, like you said, we're seven points behind them. I think it just goes to show, like, they're not very good. They've lost six times in the league now this season. Like, good teams don't lose six times in the league. No. We've only lost seven, and we've been piss poor. As you said, we're seven points behind, but we're only seven points behind, given how bad we've been. We're only seven points behind them. So it just goes to show how poor the league has been this year. Like in any other season, if if Austin City were at our normal level and you had a Chelsea or whoever, you know, kind of running us in that third place, we'd be 15 points behind them by now. But they're not anywhere close to being a team that's going to win major honours. They might win a few second-tier cups, but that's fine. 
they can have all the second tier cups they want. We've shown tonight they're miles and miles from being anything close to title contenders, and that even when we're in a in a down spell, there's no question that we have a significantly better group of players than them. And I think it's highlighted by what our front three did to their back four today. Two goals each for Darwin, for Gakpo, and for Mo. A couple of assists for Mo. I don't know if Darwin gets an assist for Mo's first because it took a big deflection off McTominay. But our front three, two of whom were labelled flops, often by Manchester United fans, bitter that they chose to sign for us and not them, absolutely tore the best back line in the world to smithereens. And we overrun them in midfield. I thought we got the best 30 minutes that Jordan Henderson has turned in probably since either United away last season or Everton away last season, whichever came second. His 30 minutes in the second half were very, very good. After a decent first half, like he was okay in the first half, but the second half I thought he was very good, involved in two of the goals. I thought Fab looked like Fab. I thought Harvey had a very good game. I thought defensively, even though they had a couple of chances, we looked much more like ourselves. Led, I thought, by Andy Robertson, who was in full prick mode tonight, which was great, and he got right under Anthony's skin. And There was just loads of little things in that game that bring a big smile to your face. And Jürgen trying his damnedest not to laugh in Ten Hag's face when he went to shake his hand was right up there. Yeah, I, I can't wait to pull apart all of those uh, little things. <laughs> and please do drop them all in, both of you, as we go along. The little moments that made you smile, because <clears throat> in this sort of an occasion, Harry, has been rare for us. I'm looking at two of your tweets that I appreciated very much. <laughs> uh, I liked... The, the acknowledgement of uh, 129 goals for one season wonder, Mo Salah, that's tremendous. And also your little review of the how people did, you know, talking about how Fab was looking a bit more like himself, like David said, like I was saying last week as well. And Salah outstanding, you've got Robbo Ferocious, which is a good word. Uh, Dave's uh, prick is equally good. <laughs> uh, but my little takeaway from your tweet, Gakpo and Nunes as a glimpse of the future and that's exactly what we need it to be and it really felt like it today it felt like these guys had sort of pushed through some sort of mental barrier Cody especially I think Darwin was already there mentally and it was just a shit run of luck um and maybe a couple of little bad decision-making situations on a couple of occasions but he has gotten big goals or good goals to see Cody do that today and to look as good as he did in uh, in possession of the ball and in, in, in the so-called Firmino role on occasions, it's very heartening, Harry, very heartening. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think after the after the five two, I was I was worried about, you know, the, the the impact that can have on a group of players confidence, especially when it's already fragile, especially it's been a tough season. Uh, you know, like sides don't come to Anfield and score five consecutive goals, right? And it feels weird to be mentioning this on a on a, a pod after we've just beaten United seven nil. But I, I I worried about the the impact that could have. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I can't think of a better tonic uh, to that uh, confidence wise anyway than beating United seven nil uh, at home uh, with, with some of those players who we we discussed there who are we're pinning our hopes on for the future scoring important goals, scoring big goals uh, and looking more at home in the side. I thought for Gagpo, considering the narrative around the game, right? And the links with United and the fact that he's ended up at Liverpool 
to score that goal, which I think the first one is especially when we come on to it, that's probably the goal that we expected to see from him. Right. That's that's what we've been told has been his bread and butter finish for for, for a long time. But, yeah, I think we've seen glimpses from him uh, throughout the season as to sort of the the impact that the goals have had on his confidence. And he has like 10 minute spells here or there where you, you, you start to see more aspects to his game and today yeah I thought it was magnificent right you've got all the stories around Bobby and him moving on and thinking people thinking about the contributions he's made to Liverpool uh, in the in the eight years he's been at the club and uh, Gakpo yeah like a long way to go still of course a long long way but um, uh, sort of a very nice way to start off and yeah there's I mean, I mean there, there's winning 7-0 and then there's doing it at United's expense, uh, and I, and I do think I do think they've made progress. I, I I do think they're they're yeah they are making progress uh, under Ten Hag. Uh, and I, I have to admit I was I was shocked at the attitude of not Fernandez and the like of that, but I was just surprised that you know we've we've ended up beating United seven nil um, when they've got the likes of you know Casemiro in their in their side right where you think or the sort of cynical minded players that would would at least prevent that sort of level of embarrassment, right? But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to think of it going any better. I thought Robbo, as, as you said, Trev, when you're reading out my my tweets, which is something I, I, I probably would pay for, actually. <laughs> it's like a level of uh, ego boost there. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, to see Robbo really, really, really ferocious was the only word I could use to describe him today. I thought really set the tone for us, which is important. And Salah, especially, uh, I think it's easy to sort of forget him today in some ways, or he makes it hard to forget him. But yeah, 129 goals is is sensational, and uh, people have been writing him off this season in terms of him, him not being at his best. And he just just think about how many big big moments this guy has had. And there's there's multiple photos going around, Trev, that I'm sure we'll, we'll share throughout the pod. But there's one of of Salah topless in front of the cop uh, and Bobby in the background holding his shirt, running to give it him back. Which is great. Bobby got like, I don't know, five or six yellow cards early on in his career for, for doing yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Ban this filth. I think is what that's going <laughs> to come under. That's fantastic. Uh, Harry, I'm going to come back to you to talk about the United lineup in a second. I know you'll have done your prep show as will Dave. Um, and he'll have opinions about them too, but Dave, I'll start with you with the, with the Liverpool lineup because, and by the way, I'm just sticking a little pin in it. I know you'll come back to this because it'll stick in your head, Dave. Uh, but Harry was talking there about the attitude of some of their players, Fernandez in particular. And, you know, mm. Gary Gary Neville at the end was ch- chit-chatting about, you know, how it seemed as if Fernandez, with, with the armband on and all, was indicating that he was irritated not to be taken off at one point towards the end. Now, I don't know if that's Neville reading too much into it, but one thing that stayed with me as I've watched the Fernandez story develop over time at United is that although we can clearly see the class and talent that, you know, made you really, really want us to get him, I, I can't but escape I can't escape the constant thought though that he probably wouldn't have passed a dickhead test, would he, Dave? Do you know he probably wouldn't? He's probably not a great lad. At the back of it. At the back of it probably not, no. I mean their whole team, when when the third goal went in, their whole team seemed to kind of give up a little bit. Rashford kept making runs, but 
Fernandez was getting more and more wound up with each passing goal, with each passing attack by United that broke down, with every time a Liverpool player snapped into midfield and took the ball off somebody. And he just seemed like he wanted to be anywhere else. And there was a moment late in the game where we broke down the right-hand side and he got beaten, I think, by Mo, and just gave up. He just stopped. He just didn't even didn't even do that kind of fake jog thing. Yeah. He just stopped moving. Yeah. And I thought, that's their club captain. Now, for me, I would never put the armband on someone like him because when things are going well, with, with him, not for the team, but with him, when he when things are going well, he can carry that team. He's done it in the past. But when things really start to turn against them and nothing is working for them, you need your captain to be able to dig in, go and smash somebody, go and do something, go and set a bit of an example. You know, you're playing in attacking midfield, your team's getting torn back. Go drop 15 yards and boot somebody. You know, and, and try and make some sort of difference. He just didn't. He, he's not. He's not what I what you'd call a leader at all. He's the type of player who needs strong leadership around him to really focus his mind. And he had that at, at Sporting, and he's never really had it at United. He joined United, and Harry Maguire was the captain. This is this is the thing as well. Harry Maguire is their club captain. Like that's the message they were sending that this oaf who clearly wasn't good enough that they wasted loads of money on, was their club captain. And now Bruno's the team captain, and he's just not, he's not a captain. He just isn't. This is one of those silly things where a manager gives the star player the armband to try and get said star player on his side so that, you know, that player is not going to kick off. But you're right. I mean, Bruno, in our team over the last few years where everything has gone more or less to plan bar the season, obviously when everyone got injured and this season, but you know, from our champions league winning season to our premier league winning season to last season, Bruno would have thrived in those teams and he would have elevated those teams even further. But in a team that needs a lot more and a lot more attitude and a lot more leadership and a lot more, I know galvanizing. He, he's just, he can be obviously a part of the team, but he can't be the leader. He can't be the focal point. He can't be the figurehead. That's just not going to work. And I think he epitomized just how far they have to come if they want to be taken seriously as a team that might go on and, and do great things and win major honors. They need obviously multiple players, but they need to find real leadership or it, it's just not going to happen for them. It's just not yeah. going to happen for them at all. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code 
AI Pro 10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. They'd be better off giving the armband to the, I think, overrated lad they have in at centre half, but at least what he has is that um, sort of aggressive swagger. Yeah. It, it, it's it's shocking to see that type of thing um, from anyone. Or even and, give it to Varane or Casemiro, because at least yeah. they're both hugely accomplished players who've been there, done it, won when they car- they carry it light. They carry it lightly, Dave. Is the yeah, thing. that's they the thing. Carry it lightly, worse. You put that armband on a lad who's as, you know, ridiculously outrageously talented and uh, um, accomplished in terms of what he's done on the pitch as say a Ronaldo, mm. and it's. It's a it's a pointless gesture. You're giving it to a guy who is thinking more about himself at all times. And like you say, you can't have that kind of stuff going on. Look, we're going to come back to that. But let's see you and I qu- quickly look at the Liverpool lineup now before I reverse uh, to Harry and look at the United one with him. And then feel free to have your own say on it. Um, I think most people uh, took a little bit of a, a, a bit of a intake through their teeth uh, when they saw the the Fab Hendo Elliott midfield because I, I I'll bow to nobody on this I still think it feels to me a little bit as if Jurgen's hanging Harvey out to dry every time he selects him there yeah. uh, the captain has not been any way good at all and and Fab was hopefully on the, on the recovery trail, but we weren't sure. However, when you see Kanate alongside Van Dijk, it gives you a little bit of hope. You saw a little bit of um, turnaround in Trent's form of late, as with Robbo, and that was borne out again today. So that was a solid unit. We know Ali is what Ali is. And then you have Salah, Nunes and Gakpo, and you've got to have hope that those three guys can do things. Our bench then does look comparatively okay when you've got um, Kelleher, Milner, uh, Firmino, Jones, Carvalho, Matip, Simicus, Bacic, and Jota. There are players who can come on and make a difference there if some of the on-field lads are not doing that. I would say that I'd have to agree with you. I'm just gonna, um, you, you, you've, I'm don't, I'm not, I'm not driving your thoughts anyway here. But I'd have to agree with what you said there. I thought for the duration of the match, there were moments of Henderson involvement which were like quite important. He led two counter-attacks which mm. led goals um, with the right pass. Um, he was also quite quite apparently hoofing the ball and, 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 and not doing things that we need him to do. But overall, you'd have to say it worked out very well both for Hendo and Kloppo today in terms of uh, that selection. Harvey, again, I, 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 think it's, I think it's a bad idea in terms of his defensive work. But you can't, you talked about his terrier-like attitude. You can't fault him. The energy's there and he will always do that. That's fantastic. Um, what did you think? Were, were, you, were you like me a little bit kind of, oh, really, when you saw the lineup, or did you have hope about it? No, I was like you. Um, for me, it should have, well, no, I don't say it should have been. For me, my thought going into it was it's Fab and Stefan plus one. Yeah, And it's either Henderson or it's Harvey. And the preference was Harvey because there was no real footballing reason to select Jordan Henderson to play today. He hasn't been good in a long, long time. And, you know, defensively, he's been well below par. On the ball, he's been well below par. 
But Jürgen went with what he went with. And then the concern was, right, well, who's which side? Because the left-sided role is nominally a more defensive role. So is that what Harvey's going to be asked to do? But it wasn't. Thankfully enough, he went with Harvey on the right and he picked Henderson on the left. Because we knew, especially when we saw their team, that they were going to attack primarily down their left. Now, I assume we all thought this was going to be Veghorst as a 9, Rashford left wing and Bruno as a 10. But you're still thinking they're going to play predominantly through Bruno and Rashford working down the left with Luke Shaw overlapping. That's where their threat will be. As it turned out, they went Bruno left wing, Veghorst as a 10 in one of the strangest tactical decisions I've ever seen. And uh, Rashford as the 9. But still, their primary attacking focus was left wing, Bruno and Shaw. And Rashford nominally will drift left anyway. So I think playing Harvey there really did help. And look, the captain had had a mixed bag of a first half. He had moments where he did some very strange things, including spending a substantial amount of time to Fabinho's right, way out of position. And anytime they switched the ball, he was miles out of position and having to sprint back across, which isn't what you want him doing. But thankfully, Andy Robertson just had Anthony in his pocket. And while Delo is having a good season and had a couple of good involvements in the first half, he's never going to hurt you. You know, he's he's not a player that's going to hurt you. And it, it, we got I thought we got away with it a little a little bit first half because they had a couple of great chances. And I was quite concerned before we scored because Darwin really didn't look like he was up for it. And I thought. Is he still injured? Like, is that shoulder really bothering him here? Because he's not able to sprint back. He doesn't look like he's got the appetite for it today. And then the issues in midfield were there. They were prevalent in the first half. And our defence just seemed a little bit overworked at times. But as soon as the first goal went in and, and it settled the nerves, and obviously we start the second half, and getting those two quick goals really does make the job a lot easier. But... Yeah, when, when when I saw the team, certainly the concern was that midfield area. I was really happy with the front three. I was delighted to see Gakbo back in. I thought yeah. that was the right move to go with up front because I think Cody, I think he connects Mo and Darwin an awful lot better. When we played during the week with Jota as the nine, that's sort of three individuals doing individual things, whereas Cody is that kind of fulcrum that, it's a little bit like, a, you know, the, the way they used to look at, at Javi in midfield and like he just makes things work together. He, he's just that metronome. And Cody's kind of got a little bit of that metronome type thing up front where he sees both sides of the pitch and he can shift the ball either way and, and link people. And I thought I thought that was the right front three. I expected Robbo to come back in because he's Robbo. Costas, I thought, did very, very well in the week. I mean, he, he, Sarabia was taken off at half time, and Adama came on and he did nothing against Costas either. And then he gets the assist. So I thought Costas had an argument to stay in, but I did expect, um, I did expect Robbo to start. And like I said, the front three was what I was looking at. The only thing, the only thing that was a worry was the thing that's been a worry all season is that midfield area. And, it, it worked today and it worked today in large part because of how we started that second half and how quickly we got those goals. But as the game went on, 
like credit to Henderson. Like I said, first half, iffy but okay. That first thirty minutes of the second half, from basically when the when the sec when our second goal went in up until he got taken off, that's the best football we've seen from him in the best part of eighteen months by a considerable margin. Yeah, and uh, it's great to see. And Harry, just to quickly look at what United did, they went with De Gea, obviously, uh, Dallo, Varane, Martinez and Shaw, Casemiro and Fred, Fernandez, Veghorst, Rashford and Anthony. Uh, Dave's already alluded to how they set up a little bit differently than you might expect. On their bench, they have Heaton, um, the aforementioned Maguire, uh, Malasia, Sabitzer, who came on, Sancho, uh uh, what a story that is. Uh, Juan Basaka, Alanga McTominay, and Garnacho. Um, now, in your look ahead to this, um, you must have been dealing with someone who was quite bullish uh, <laughs> and, you know, uh, a, a, had a level of expectation and maybe even maybe even the entitlement was creeping in. Dave, I think, and yourself both alluded to the media build-up to this uh ahead of time and it yeah. is remarkable you you get to see the machine it's like uh it's like the democratic political machine in the states it just cranks into action when there's the slightest upturn at all and wow have we witnessed some serious united propaganda of late it's been remarkable and um even blended into the commentary throughout the first half and i I do think they did get a bit of an upper hand um, at, at, for one period of that first half. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do think they have the potential to be a solid enough team. But I'm interested in your take on how they went and that scene through the prism of your uh, pre-match chat with your guest. Yeah, so I had Carl uh, Anker on from uh, from the Athletic, and yeah, me and Carl have been friends for many years as well. So there's, there's always been a fun sort of chat whenever this game comes around. To be honest, um, it's uh, usually it just involves a message saying we're not friends uh, <laughs> for, for this weekend, like, like we'll see you on the other side or whatever. And um, so like previewing it, and I, I know he's 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 had a He's had a hard time covering United over the uh, over the past few years, and um, they have been on upturn. I think when the bar has been so low, and the level of performance has been so so low, right? That I think uh, any sort of improvement was always going to be exaggerated by by a lot of the media because we because we do know, of course, that there's a number as there are with Liverpool sort of uh, pundits and p- former players in the in the media as well. There's a lot of United um, representation there as well. Um, perhaps also amongst some of the commentators as we as we talk about every now and then. Uh, so yeah, the the fact that they do look what I would describe as or have looked uh, competent this season is an improvement, right? That that is an improvement for United uh, given where they've been. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think the manner of this defeat did catch me off guard. I didn't think they were capable of this. I thought they were capable of losing. And Dave's pointed out, right, this is a side that has lost quite a few different games, and they've been lucky in in, in a few games in terms of not being punished for being a bit more open than um, than they necessarily would like to be. But yeah, they have this foundation. They're trying to build on the platform that they have. They spent a lot of money as well, of course. 
Uh, so when you're looking at the team, I mean, um, Dallow has sort of enjoyed a bit of a re- resurgence to his United career under Ten Hag this season, but could easily have been Wan-Bissaka and, and wouldn't have been too uh, surprised given sort of the performances he's had of late and, and, and just his, his effectiveness dealing in 1v1 uh, battles. We know he's limited when it comes to attacking side, but uh, I think the fact that Anthony was playing uh, probably also influenced the fact Dallow Dallo started. Anthony is one that we discussed in the pod, hasn't really caught fire considering the amount of money that was spent on him. Does look a bit one-dimensional in his play at the moment and yeah, not the most confident of uh, of players considering sort of the type of player he was in the Eredivisie. Casemiro, you, know, you, you don't have to look very far to see any coverage, yeah, to, to see coverage of him. Uh, he's somebody who I think as Liverpool fans, right, he's given us plenty of very uncomfortable evenings, afternoons, whenever he's he's uh, a very very good player at what he does, um, and I'm I've been surprised by how motivated um, and effective he's been for them since coming to uh, coming to United, and I think Fred compliments him right, Fred buzzing around Casemiro as you sometimes see for the national setup. Uh, this is the pair that kept Fabinho out of a lot of. Uh, Brazilian international games, so yeah, uh, they, they have got a good sort of understanding between them, and it's just weird to see Fred um, actually sort of have a, the resurgence that he's had this year uh, amongst United fans. Veghorst, yeah, continuing to be deployed in that this sort of uh, w- w- withdrawn role. Rashford through the middle, Fernandez uh, on the on on the left hand side, uh, where we ha- seen him have good joy this season. He's had an effective season, and it's it's. Not a coincidence that it's happened, obviously, after Ronaldo's departed. And Rashford, who I think we have to hold our hands up, and I was worried pre-match, he's probably one of the most informed attacking players in the world at the moment and uh, enjoying like a really strong season. You can tell he's, he's been working on himself physically, looks stronger, fitter than he has been for a long time and, and, and ruthless in, in the box uh, when he's been given chances and... So yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a strong team on form, um, not as defensively solid as I think people are making out. Definitely more streetwise, and that, I think that's why the result really does. The manner of the capitulation really did surprise me today. But I think I think yeah, let's let, let's throw them a little bit uh, after a game like that, that. That they look more competent than they've done in a long time, but there's still a long long way to go. There was there was a lot of talk about this. Streetwise uh, adjective uh, to describe them over the course of today's. They kick, they kick you, Trev. They, they yeah, it, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Over today's Sky commentary, it, it, exactly what you've just said. They, they kind of they, they'll kick you and they'll take seven hours to take a throw in, and I guess that's uh, what has come to be known as as, as streetwise um the like you you always refer to the dark arts and mm. I, I the reason i asked you specifically because i missed all my podcasts this week not a one did i hear with 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 nonsense going on and so it's atypical for me to to, to miss them and Carl's quite level-headed usually, yeah. Uh, but I was wondering if what had happened to him uh, happened uh, the same thing as what happened to a lot of my workmates. Um, no, no, who, who, I, I, got, who I, got remarkably out of their box on the back of a trophy, Harry, and they were, you know, giddy, arrogant 
uh, as we were approaching the weekend. I was wondering, I was wondering if that had infected Carl as well. No, I think yeah, as you say, Carl's like typically sort of quite level-headed when it comes to these things, and um, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of work that goes in right to, to doing some of these um these articles that he's 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 been putting out and so you can see sort of actually when the numbers show that united have been flattering to deceive like you know, over a couple of different um right, right points and things like that i mean they, they have improved he's happy that they've improved i think that's that's that's, that's undoubted but um i think uh, there, there, there was an there was an interesting moment where actually I compared Martinez to uh, Lovren um, on the <laughs> on 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 the pod that we had, and I said I think you know uh, you know talented footballers uh, both very capable of losing their heads. I don't think that actually I think I think Martinez is probably a better defender than Lovren to be honest, but um, rash and the rashness reminds me of. Um, of Dejan uh, a little bit, and uh, I think he was is a bit bit taken back by by, <laughs> by that. But no, I think I, I, I think I think Carl's realistic. I think there's a, they've got a long way to go, and I think he was also quite realistic as well about uh, the issues that Liverpool have had this season. Right, the, 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 this isn't the end of Liverpool, but there's a yeah, very clear surgery that needs to take place, despite a wonderful evening like today. That's some wonderful Degsy slander that you threw in there. God bless you. That's tremendous work. Uh, Dave, let's get stuck into this game because, you know, only by going through the game are we going to get to the points that we want to talk about. And there's so many notes here from me. And if I'm overdoing it at some stage, tell me to shut up. But we do. (laughs) The first note I've got is on two minutes a hendo hoof uh on two minutes also we get the first effort of the game which is a dig by harvey elliott um trent doesn't start off on the best note with three successive bad deliveries and we can see within the first four minutes that united as harry alluded to earlier on are going to be wasting time every time the ball goes dead um that to me had a little bit of a small time feel to it. I understand it's dark yeah. art stuff. I get it, but it felt a little bit small time to me and it gave me some heart. I'll be honest. Robbo did really well on, on six minutes and that led to a corner. Um, as we were driving into the right hand side of the, of the box, uh, as we look at it, their, their, uh, defensive third, Martin Tyler's droning on about Casemiro being a wonderful footballer it's remarkable he's completely abdicated his responsibility as a commentator and he's talking shit about Casemiro we are raiding in from the right hand side it's, it's a remarkable thing to see and again I bring you back full circle to this uh, United propaganda machine it's it's stunning um, Anthony has an effort on um, I can't tell you what minute but it was soon after that which was well saved a corner we dealt with that 13 minutes Mo did one of his standard Mo efforts where he cuts in and curls it fortunately went over after some really good play by Fabinho and you know more of whom anon because Fab really seems to have gotten his mojo back I spoke in the last game about how it was so gratifying to see him involved in the top third getting his foot in up there we all know he can do it defensively and we need him to do it defensively but to see him going forward as well as a real he is a force of nature when he's on form uh 15 minutes there's a harvey effort or pass not really sure what it is some time wasting continues at that point the ref does not seem to give a shit uh we should probably at some point pause and do a little bit of a ref watch for this lad because He's another one in the uh, uh, what do they call him? What do, what do all the uh, 
what do all the mad right wing boys he's another one in the soy boy bracket as far as I'm concerned <laughs> as we said the last day soft as shite and he's another one just absolutely nothing about him um, a flowing move saw Trent set Robbo up for a right footed effort and as ever Robbo can't score a goal 22 minutes a dangerous cross by said Scotsman led to a corner more Hendo hoofing after that Martinez has a handoff to Mo's face and nothing is given. Meanwhile, Hend- uh, Neville is in the commentary box. And I'm going to pause it here because that's 25 minutes or so. Hendo's, why do I keep saying that? Neville's in the commentary box, basically pulling himself asunder, talking about the wonderful streetwise qualities of Martinez and how he's mm-hmm. tough and all the rest of it. And it just, it's there, it, there's a double layer to it. It's like another assault on Mo Salah goes unpunished. And meanwhile, we're supposed to buy this bullshit about, you know, oh, he's tough, he's hard, he's streetwise, he's wonderful. Um, it was an interesting opening to the game, Dave. The first 20 to 25 minutes, uh, I think if we should probably finish on 25 because to be fair the lad we've already spoken about Fernandez does have a fantastic opportunity to put them ahead there is a Dallow cross and he heads it across the face of Golden Wide now he should score that and I think a different player who's more proficient with his noggin may well have scored it but if we're if we're to be honest that's an interesting opening 25 where it's not half as as United centric as the commentary team would make you believe, but they go on to have a big moment, a a big uh, period of pressure after this. What did you think of how we started the game in those first 25 minutes? I thought we were really lively, really aggressive, but quite sloppy with some of our possession. Um, There's a couple of loose balls by players who should do much better. You mentioned a couple of hoofs. And there was just some really strange decision-making going on by referees and players. That Martinez forearm to Mo's face, I mean, that's not good defending. That's not streetwise defending. That's a foul. That is a foul by a player who's been caught in a position he doesn't want to be in against a significantly quicker player who's knocked it by him and is going to run past him. Yep. And what Martinez does there is for the good of his team, he takes a yellow card, except Andy Madley decides that it's not a yellow card. It's not even a free and allows play on. If that is one of our players doing that to Marcus Rashford, or if that happens to Jack Grealish or somebody else, I guarantee you that's a free kick and a yellow card. But Martinez gets lauded by that little gobshite sitting in the commentary booth um, about being streetwise. I'm sorry, it's not streetwise. It's just not streetwise at all. Like, it's it's poor defending for starters. It's, it's selfless in that he does commit a foul knowing he's probably going to get booked for it. But there's nothing to, to, to load about the actual defending he does there. You can load him for the foul. We'd often load Fabinho for some of the cynical stuff he does. But that was just garbage. The, the thing you mentioned with the time wasting, as soon as they started time wasting was, what was it, about three, four minutes into the game. Yeah. That's I all. thought they've come here for a draw. Yeah. They've come here for a draw and they're, they'll, they'll have moments because they'll sit deep, which is what they did. They had, they've been playing the deepest defensive line in the league all season. 
Do you get and what I'm saying about small time, though, Dave? I mean, yeah. that's, it, oh, it, I, I, found, I found it heartening, you know, because it was like, I thought you were going to come here and blow us away, but no. Yeah. But no. Yeah, all we've heard is that they're they're coming here to beat us. You had Ten Hag making some rather arrogant statements the other day about how it's just another stadium and just another pitch and all pitches are the same. And not so much, little buddy, not so much at all. Um, I've been saying this for months. This is this is <laughs> nothing <buddy>. special. <laughs> this is nothing special. This is Ollie Ball 2.0. When Ollie took over and they went on that great run, where he took them from six to six, but they went unbeaten for like, I don't know, eight games or something, <laughs> and went from six to six in the league. This is what they were doing. When they finished second under Ollie, this is what they were doing. They were sitting deep and they were using Rashford's pace on the counterattack. And look, there's no there's no harm in doing that. It's a it's a legitimate way to play. Absolutely. To, to bet in, invite pressure, rely on your defensive group as a whole to overcome and then spring counterattacks. And when you've got a Bruno Fernandes and you've got a Marcus Rashford, you're going to be very good on the counter because those two players have skill sets and attributes that work well with counterattacks. Dave, Dave, that's, that's the, that's the Jed Houllier era. Let's yes, be honest. Of course it is. You go to Roma, you, you hold, you hold, you hold, you ride your luck and you sting them on the counter. And you beat them one nil. And that's, that's what they, but this is what they've been doing all season. Like, I keep hearing that Ten Hag has revolutionised the club and I keep hearing all this praise for him and I'm, I'm watching them play and thinking like there's there's very little difference here in the structure than there was when they played Ollie. Now look, they are better organised now and they have better individuals than they had under Ollie. and when they do attack, it's done with more purpose. There's defined patterns of play. There's a defined attacking structure. But you could see it when we were attacking them. Their attacking structure is just bodies. Throw as many bodies as possible and hope for the best. Like, that's literally it. They spent a fortune on that team. And that's the type of football they're playing. And I'm, I'm, I give Ten Hag credit for being very pragmatic because he came with this, you know, this distinct style of play that he'd stolen off Pep Guardiola. And that's what he was brought in to implement. And after two games, he realized that these players aren't very good and he couldn't do that. So he he changed. But what he did was go back to what Ollie'd been doing. There's nothing groundbreaking here. There's nothing here that suggests to me that this is some tactical genius. I would give him credit that I think he's managed the squad very well. I think he's managed the egos well. I think he's taken the right hardline decisions on people like Cristiano to just bomb him out of the club and say, I don't care, either he goes or I go, but he's he's got to go. I think that is what I would give him credit for. But when I see people say he's some sort of tactical genius, I mean, nobody nobody called Julier a tactical genius. Nobody calls Sam Allardyce or Sean Dyche a tactical genius when they come set up with a bank of four, another bank of four, and start time-wasting early in games and start kicking people and throwing extra bodies in the way of stuff. Like These are not these are not great things. These aren't the signs of a big team on the come-up. These are, like you said, these are rather small time. And yeah, from, from early doors, they 
they made it very clear what their intentions were, which was to try and shithouse their way to a draw. And if they could nab a winner, brilliant. But their primary objective was to get out of there with a point. All those other clients you mentioned don't have that propaganda machine behind them. That's the no. truth. That they don't have the the. But the, they don't have Sky Sports behind they them. They don't have Sky Sports behind but them. But the, the same what Sky it, Sports that told us that Ollie was the best thing since sliced bread, and like Neville never once criticised Ollie. Never no. once. We no, smacked them see, with half a team in the the pandemic year at Old Trafford, and Neville had nothing to say. Yeah, because you see, the thing about uh, Southgate was uh, you get sick of hearing it. You see, he was a wonderful visionary because he used to sit on the bench. Don't you understand? Don't you know? And watch the game pan out. And then he'd, he'd come on and use his incisive knowledge of what was going on to influence the game and win, as opposed to being thrown on up front and trying to score, which is the you know bottom line of what it was that he was trying to do. And Harry, if, if I bring you in for the second half, of the first half there's a lot going on here too and 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 um you know plenty of incident left we do have an opportunity on 27 uh, minutes where Shaw plays the ball to Rashford his first time shot uh is saved comparatively comfortably by Ali but they do open us up and it's a worry and probably Rashford could have done better with his effort it's a great Um, ball by Shaw isn't it it's genuinely ball to 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 be to be fair to, to Luke Shaw uh in this you know renaissance period of his career he has done very very well uh I I I was getting quite frustrated with the captain at this point of the game who some backward passes and stuff like that I was starting to lose a bit of faith and another poor ball by himself led to United counter in 30 minutes but on 32 we see another United effort. It's a Dallow header this time, I think, from a, a free, which was pretty much headed straight at Ali, and he could deal with it. Fabinho picks up a yellow card on 40 minutes. Um, we hold our line quite well as Casemiro has the ball in the back of the net on 41, but it's a clear offside. Um you wouldn't have known it from the initial moments of uh, commentary. However, clearly it was. And on 42, and you've got to love this, Harry, on 42, we go up the other end and sucker punch them because Cody Gakpo puts us 1-0 up. Uh, it is a great through ball by Andy Robertson, who sort of drives inside and cuts back outside then plays a ball with the inside of his left foot kind of in a straight fashion through a channel where Cody has made a really interesting and clever and intelligent run. He's held it perfectly. He's watched the line. And what he does is he cuts back on the outside of his uh, of his right foot and he takes a whipped finish mm. with the inside of his right foot to the far lower end of the post. And it goes inside the net with great whip and great power. It's the finish of a man who is uh, entirely confident in what he's doing. It is the move of a team who go, yeah, we'll soak it up, we'll soak it up, and then boom. And ironically, after United looked as if they were coming to set up and hit us on the counter, the fact that we did it to them and went into halftime 1-0 up, Man, that's it's got extra sort of sauce on it for me. Uh, I love that Cody Gakpo scored this goal. 
I love what Andy Robertson did in the build-up. And there's probably lots of other bits and pieces you want to pick out from the first half in general and from that second half of it. So have at it. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, no, I, I was I was generally very impressed by sort of the level of of intensity that Liverpool were bringing to things. I think, as as Dave mentioned, there, there was it, it it seemed to fall down when it got to the final ball, or sort of just the quality of passing wasn't wasn't the best. And yeah, Darwin seems sort of weirdly subdued, even when sort of he was being given the ball in good areas, just didn't seem to be sort of his usual head down drive. Um, show us that pace that he that he's got. Looked a bit sort of weirdly. Um, muted at at points, so I was a little bit concerned about that. I thought United were were growing into the game a little bit. Um, I, I I don't think like like Neville seems to have suggested and a couple of suggested that they were they were the better team in that first half. But I think they were they were growing into it a little bit. And I I was thinking, well, yeah, you can see. You can see what somebody like Basetic, what somebody like Tiago would add to this, right? You need someone to be a little bit more composed, a bit more quality on the ball, and actually, then Liverpool could be in. There's, there's, you know, their attack looks like it's got the 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 ability to to bully United if they're if they're given sort of the right the right sort of service. But uh, yeah, you're starting to get a little bit concerned about sort of maybe United like getting in a half time and feeling a bit more confident about themselves. So a goal at that time is just perfect, right? And the fact that it's Gakpo, the narrative that we spoke about with him being linked to United and then obviously of course United definitely never wanting him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then him coming to to Liverpool, the fact that he came to to us in in the midst of obviously everybody crying out for a midfielder that's that's needed. Uh you know, he, he he shouldn't have to face, you know, sort of criticism around that. It's not his it's, it's not his fault that sort of the midfielder wasn't wasn't prioritized and he, he he comes in in really difficult circumstances, a disjointed team, a team low in confidence and he felt it's super important that he gets a goal. Uh, and so we spoke about the relief you saw a few games back when he got that first one. So I don't think it's a coincidence as well that he yeah, he looks so comfortable in that channel, right? He's, he's played in that channel for a lot of his his career. Uh, and, and, and that finish, as you described it, was the finish I was told about, you know, so cutting in on, on, on his, uh, on his right, that's um, sort of a finish, I suppose, Thierry Henry sort of modeled for years and years and years and years. Uh, there yeah. you go. That's the one. Yeah. Great power behind it. Like, you know, great fizz and uh, yeah, a huge moment for him as well. You know, goal in a game like this, will do wonders for for that boy's confidence and yeah you could see that afterwards it's, it's, right? massive, it's, 
it, it, it's massive for the kid, isn't it? Because we saw what his first goal did for him, right? Mm. We saw in game, uh, it quite literally looked as if he went from sort of whatever height he's walking at north of six foot to about yeah. seven foot five. He just looked um, like a monster all of a sudden, incredibly immediately impacted by his successful contribution. Now, a thing like this and the fact that he did it again, this is going to, this is this is this is a career making uh, afternoon. Do you know what I mean in terms mm. of the centrality of it for his? Uh, yeah, I am a fucking Liverpool player, and I just put two past this lot, who yeah. are our biggest rivals in the world. This is huge, man. And I think also like around like uh, I mean we've seen it before, right? You 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 want your teammates to yeah. We've seen before where sort of players maybe aren't getting the ball as much from from some of their sort of teammates at Liverpool. Could perhaps they're not fully trusted yet. It helps him in that regard as well, right? He scored. He's scoring a massive game. He's got two goals. Uh, yeah, he gets the the go ahead goal, which is vitally important ahead of half time. Um, yeah, I think that's that's going to help his confidence. It's also I'm I'm not going to be surprised to see. Players looking up and passing to him, and, and, and you know, thinking, "Well, yeah, actually, I can trust him in that channel. I know what he's, I know what he's got. I know he's got the quality." Not to say that you know people were doubting him or anything like that, but you know, it, it grows and grows amongst the team once they see you start to produce. Uh, they're going to trust you. They're going to combine with you more and more. And yeah, it's just just exciting to see how he can how he can push on from here because I think there's still questions around sort of exactly how we're going to maybe try and use him in the long term, but. I think I, I just really enjoy the, the 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 solid fundamentals that he's got. I think there's there's some really clear fundamentals there around his technique and um, his, his composure in moments, and you, you're reminded at times um, a little bit of of some of the quality qualities Ginny had. So uh, yeah, really really happy for him, and uh, I think it's uh, going to do wonders. Dave, let's start talking about the giddy opening to the second half. And giddy is the only word. I, I, I mean, you know those games where you're you're sitting at home and you're quietly mumbling to yourself uh, when things happen and a goal goes in. You, or you fucking want to go in, right? You, you, whatever. You just like you're, you're angry or you're quiet or you're whatever. I probably have fucked my voice box into a cocked hat after the full-throated celebrations I had for almost all of these goals. And by the time 51 minutes has passed, I, I, I'm in ribbons. I'm remarkable. I find it fully remarkable I'm able to converse with you lads today because these first two goals uh, in the second half, Darwin, to see him score, I mean, it gives us all like a, a giddy thrill and see Cody get a second. This is amazing stuff. And to talk about them briefly, and I want to just give a, disc- a brief description of both of them uh, and acknowledge the fact that there is an Anthony effort at Ali in the middle. Um, but this is where we come out. Like, I hoped we would come out in the first half and we didn't. Um, and we blow these fuckers away. And on 46 minutes, Darwin's goal comes about as a result of brilliant pressure by Fabinho in the opposition Mm. box again, which is like, you know, I went out of my way to try and draw attention to this because I knew it would be missed by most people. Most people don't talk about this. They talk about goal scorers. Fab in the opposition box again. Fantastic. On the edge of their box, pressure from him. 
he plays a ball into Mo, which you could say, Fab, take the shot on, lad. But, you know, he doesn't because he's Fab. And he plays the ball into Mo, who does wonderfully well to pull it back for Harvey. Harvey's cross is, I thought, excessively hard, uh, but, you know, ends up being brilliant because Darwin gets his noggin to it and nods at home. And we're tune it up like i said there is an anthony effort but bear with me because this little giddy period is not quite over because four minutes later on 50 minutes we are three nil up and the game is then over you know all but the most you know horrendous of collapses which i suppose we have in our mind from real recently uh is going to lead us to win this game comfortably it's cody gakpo who scores the third now in this, in the build-up, you've alluded to it, and uh, this is why I think this show is does what it does as as well, if not better, than anyone else. You know, you are on record as talking about, you know, look, this guy should not be playing for us mm. in our first team. But also, you have in your opening comments said credit to Henderson. That was straight away. It was the first thing you said. And in this, he does really well to pick out Cody yeah. Gakpo. Cody Gakpo does ridiculously well to lead a break, strength, uh, composure, uh, sort of, you know, I hate to say it, Bobby Firmino characteristics. He plays in Mo Salah and Mo's return pass inside is absolutely sublime. And then with almost no angle, this by the way, these little rolled passes to the near post that we were seeing tonight with, with lads going to the near post. Normally you just write that off like, fuck, it's just, just stupid. Like that's going to end up as a corner. Tonight we saw a couple of goals come from tonight. We saw in-form strikers doing things that Mo Salah has been doing for years, impossible finishes. And this here, when Mo plays his return pass, it's a really good ball. Let don't don't let me seem as if I'm undermining the pass by Mo Salah. But it's to an area where there's almost no angle for Cody to work with. And Cody, leaning away towards the fucking end line, lifts the ball with the outside of his foot into the far corner. Now, that's a nuts finish. That is the finish of a kid who is pricking around in five-a-side where he's scored 18 goals already and his confidence is through the yeah. roof. I absolutely loved the swagger of that. And Darwin's, but to say that we have killed the game within five minutes of the second half starting, holy shit, Dave, that was an unbelievable period to watch. Uh, remarkable stuff from, like, I hate to say it, man, a really good team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We score in the 43rd minute. I think the first half runs to 47. Uh, we score two minutes after the break and five minutes after the break. So you're basically looking at about a nine minute of game time, nine minutes on the pitch where we scored three goals and we've put the, we've put the game away. Um, the, the Darwin goal, I think there's just, there's so much credit that needs to go around here. I think it's Harvey that wins the ball back initially and he plays it into Fab and then Fab and Henderson combine to lose the ball. And then combine to win it back again. Fab gets round one side. Henderson presses the other. Fab takes it away. It goes to Darwin. It comes back to Fab. It's a lovely little lofted pass. I don't know if he meant it for, for Harvey or for Mo, but it, it works really well. 
like you said, it comes back to Harvey. And I, like you, thought, geez, he's put some whip on that cross. Maybe he didn't need to. Like, mm. you, often, you often see that cross miss everybody and go out for throwing. But he's obviously had a look. He's seen down. He thought, I'm going to hit him with this ball and it's going to go in. Similar to the similar to the Costas cross in the week for the Mogo. Very similar. He's, he's just yeah. whipped it and hit him and it's gone in. You have um, to give the lads credit in those situations. Oh, I mean, yeah. You, you could bullshit and say, oh, it's probably lucky there. No, like, fuck No, no, it's, it's perfectly done. Yeah. And Darwin, to his credit as well, reacts brilliantly and actually properly directs his header in. It's a really good goal. It's a really good goal. It's a proper old school Liverpool Jurgen Klopp era goal. Uh, counter pressing, winning that second ball back again, and then getting intricate around the box. And then when the first thing doesn't work out, making the second thing work perfectly for you. The Gakpo goal is, is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Firstly, Henderson does really well, uh, to take up a good position in our, in our box and intercept a cutback. And then he does an un-Henderson thing because you know, and I know, and everybody listening knows his first instinct after he blocks that is to pump that ball as far away as he can. And he doesn't. He makes the right decision. He just gives that lovely little gentle ball to Gakbo, allows him to take it on the turn. And then we're off to the races and Gakbo plays in Mo. And you're looking at him thinking Darwin's steaming in back post. And when Mo plays that short ball round the corner to the front post, you're thinking that's the wrong ball, but it's not. It's perfectly weighted. And Cody, it's the only way he scores. And like you said, it takes a player with confidence in form to finish like that, because that's the type of thing you'd normally try on a training ground. Normally in a game, you'd kind of just hit that as hard as you can and hope for the best. But it's just a gorgeous finish. Absolutely gorgeous. He has no right to score from there. No right to score from there at all. It's a sensational finish. And I mean, his first goal as well, like th- that's two brilliant goals. And the thing that got me, you mentioned, or maybe it was Harry mentioned the Henri finish. The first goal reminded me of a goal Sadio scored against Arsenal in, I think, his second season, but it could have been his first season. Mm. He was playing left wing. He picked the ball up, he cut inside, and he just whipped it into the bottom corner. Check was in goal, wasn't he? Peter Check was in goal, exactly. And the second one also reminded me of some of those goals that Sadio scored where he'd break late into the box and Mo would just run it in front of him. Now, not from that kind of angle, but Sadio would just run on and clip it first time. Remember the goal against City last season at Anfield where Mo... Uh, made made a show of Canseo and I think Bernardo Silva and le- laid that lovely ball. Oh no, it was actually sorry. It was it was Trent that played the ball into to Salah to Mane for that goal. But we've we've seen those goals where Mane would run across and just clip it and send it the other way into the far corner. That's what those two goals reminded me. They, they reminded me of Sadio Mane finishes. Now he's not Sadio. He's a different type of player, but. I think this lad has something. I don't know how it's all going to work when Diaz comes back, because for me, Diaz has to start on the left. But I am thinking Darwin is a nine, Gakpo is a 10, Diaz left, Mo right in a 4-2-3-1 could be something 
really, really special as a group where all of their skill sets will combine to create something that teams just aren't going to be able to live with. And they're all going to be interchangeable players because you can see Cody playing as a nine. We've seen Mo play as a nine. Diaz has played as a 10 in the past. He's also played right wing in the past. Not for us, but for Porto. Darwin's played left wing. Cody's played left wing. We saw moments in today's game where Darwin went right wing and Mo went central. So I, I think when when Diaz comes back, if if Klopp is willing to run them out as a four, I think it could work really well. And then you get Jota, who can play sort of all of the positions. Harvey's a more natural fit in a front four. Carvalho becomes a more natural fit in a front four. Ben Doak is on the up. Kate Gordon is on the up. And maybe we add another attacker in the summer, given that we know Bobby is leaving. So I think that's kind of going to be how it's going to work. But the early signs, there's definitely a a bromance developing between Darwin and Gakpo. And I I think that's something we need to lean into because I have no idea how them two boys communicate because (laughs) Darwin doesn't speak enough English yet. So I don't know how they're talking, but there's a lot of gesturing and a lot of gesticulation. There seems to be some sort of sniff my armpit type thing going on as well, which was a little bit weird. But, But you could see the thing that got me on Gakpo's first goal and on Darwin's first goal was how happy they were for each other. That's the point. Because there are two lads that have come in and it hasn't been an ideal season. And we've had a lot of people, including a lot of our own fan base, doubting these two lads, calling them flops and all sorts of mad nonsense. And today they've just rammed it down everybody's throats and aided and abetted, obviously, by the fella on the on the right wing who as harry pointed out is is the world's greatest six season wonder and now he has new playmates and he seems to very much enjoy playing with them i can't wait to see what that four plus shot at plus perhaps a bobby substitute look like ahead of a rejuvenated liverpool midfield holy shit that's going to be exciting next year uh Harry, to pick it up with you in the second, because there's still loads to talk about here in terms of moments. Mm. We're only at the 50th minute. Just I think. four more goals, yeah. Just the four more, right? So we'll do at least two with yourself here. That seems about fair. Uh, there is a yellow where Anthony cleans out Robbo in 52 minutes. Ali's pricking around on 53 minutes. I really wish he'd stop doing that. Gives the ball away. Uh, big Martin Tyler reckoned it was a penalty. And when you look back at it, you know, it's distinctly uncomfortable moment. He doesn't seem to play the ball. It's it's daft. It's the kind of daft stuff that, you, like, is there is there a more, um, I don't know, a talismanic figure in the whole Liverpool Klopp era than, than Ali? And yet, here we are talking about a couple of these things in a couple of weeks. Uh, 54 minutes is a great chance for Robbo, who for the second time in the match, ends up on his right foot and um, not finishing because Robbo, after some fantastic play by Cody Gakpo in the lead up to that 56 minutes, um, there's a dig by Cody Gakpo, which leads to a corner. There's a chance from that where uh, Ibu heads narrowly wide. Um, Great to have that kid back. 57 minutes, and that's all we're at is 57 minutes. They bring in McTominay and Garnacho for Veghorst and Fred. Uh, decent bit of defensive covering by Henderson on 58, I wanted to mention, because often 
you know, we'd be talking about the opposite. On the hour mark, there's a yellow for Martinez at last, who goes in late on Cody Gakpo. We have a free on the right-hand side of the D. Some decent play arises from that. A corner arises from that. And then we end up playing that corner back to Ali. So nothing comes of it. Another yellow, this time for McTominay on Cody Gakpo. Um, I honestly think there's potential red uh, material there. Um, but uh, Jamie Carragher is uh, sliding in two-footed to defend uh, the mank in the commentary. 64 minutes, Ibu blocks a Garnacci shot. It leads to a corner. And we break. And whatever the hell that is, 63, 65, sorry, 64, 65, we have another goal. We are 4 0 up. It is Mo Salah. Uh, Henderson does really well as he leads the counter uh, from the uh, edge of our box. Um, and <laughs> at the end, there's this gorgeous, like, sorry, um, Robbo was very much involved in the build-up as well. And at the end, there's this just gorgeous half-volley, right-footed drive from Mo from the edge of the box that just blows past their keeper. And we are 4-0 up. And I'm going to stick with you until 75, where we end up 5-0 up, because that gives Dave a couple of goals to talk about as well. Uh, Fernandez was looking for a penalty, uh after basically kicking Ibu over, remarkable stuff. Uh, and, uh, to be fair, the ball does hit Ibu's arm as he's scrambling about trying to get up off the deck. It's patently um, uh, accidental. And then Fernandez slides in on our man and decides the best thing he can do is get up and look for a penalty. Uh Shaw should have picked up a yellow before that for an absolutely ridiculous challenge on Darwin, who reacted, of course, and was lucky to be beaten back by a teammate. Uh, Andy Madley decided, Andy Madley, we should probably talk about at some point, not to give either player a card. Now, in the old school times where a referee was totally in charge, I could see how that was a decision made by a guy who's totally on top of things to, uh, you know, express an idea of magnanimity and uh, control. And I'm watching you guys. Uh, you were both at fault. Um, any more of this. But it's Andy Maddy, like all the rest of these soft shites, he's just bottling it is basically what's happened here anyway we are all laying on 70 minutes uh harry <laughs> and i even at the even at four nil up i felt a little bit of a flutter in my heart uh trent puts in a great fantastic last ditch tackle on rashford um uh on 72 minutes uh so happy to see this right because it's one of those moments you and i have talked about often on this show where He's offside anyway, so it doesn't actually matter. But it's like, fuck you, uh, extra alley, you know. 73 minutes, Rashford had an opportunity. He went round all of our defence, basically, but went too far to the left uh, and ended up hitting the outside of the post. Uh, Darwin drives a dangerous cross over on 74 and on 75. It is Nunes. And this is where you and I will finish on this chunk. <laughs> A really decent cross by Henderson after Van Dyke headed a Trent free kick back into play. And Darwin is there 
to head at home. Uh, wow, man, I mean, I don't even know where to start to ask you about that. You tell me what you want to talk about in terms of that particular chunk of the match. Yeah, just like super quickly when I was uh, on the on the Gakpo second goal, it actually reminded me of um, another goal against United, which was uh, I, th- I think it was the Europa League where um, Coutinho chips it over De Gea as well. It just sort of stands him up and sort of chips it over him as well. I thought it was um, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the composure to show that is incredible. Uh, yeah, the, this is you're in dreamland territory at this point, really, with uh, some of the counters. It's really, really reminiscent of of Liverpool at their best. You know, just like not not wasting time. Each pass has purpose. Uh, people backing up each other so they're able to maintain the level of intensity. You mentioned Fab sort of winning the ball back, doing his his best sort of proactive sort of pressing as well. Uh, yeah, really, really good level of intensity. Uh, the Salah goal, yeah, always something incredibly satisfying to see a ball go in under the um under the uh, um, underside of the of the crossbar, um, always very very satisfying in that on his right foot as well. He goes level with uh, the player that I heard you talking about um, in, in the week, Trevor, in terms of Robbie Fowler and sort of probably the last time you allowed yourself to you know to, to get properly attached to a place. Uh, it was that's 128 goals at that at, at that point in your sort of letting that settle in and, and then by the time it does sort of settle in uh, Nunez uh, scores as well as you mentioned and yeah it, it, it was good to see sort of that sort of Hendo as uh, I think Dave mentioned having a good performance here sort of the um, the quality of some of his crosses was much better than, we, than we've seen sort of for throughout this season uh, it's a nice little clip cross in there Nunez yeah, it's just remarkable how the game works out for him because we talked about him being a little bit timid uh, in the first sort of 20 minutes of it, but really grew into it. And, mm. and nothing seems to phase this guy at all to, to the extent where it's actually at times it can be worrying, like you were saying, with the, when Salah's holding him back from, from trying to headbutt Shaw's, Shaw's neck, um, uh, knee or whatever it would be, uh, reminded me of when the, <laughs> uh, the, there was a fan in the crowd holding Balotelli back from, from having a go at someone uh, like years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just yeah, you need your mate there to help you out in those in those moments. But yeah, that that guy's mentality looks incredibly strong, to be honest. And yeah, he's there again. He's sliding on his knees. He's he's he's, he's tapping the badge and similar to Gakpo, right? Again, he's in more huge moments for um, such a young player, a player who's had a tough time at, at moments this season. Uh, yeah, big game, big player, you know, scoring big goals uh, in a historic win. I think it's, yeah, really, really uh, happy to see um, both Nunez and Gakpo get those uh, get those braces. And uh, yeah, I have to admit, at this point, I was just hoping that uh, that Salah would get the get the go ahead goal to become uh, the all time Premier League uh, the top goal scorer for Liverpool. And uh, yeah, we, we didn't have to wait very long. Ah, beautiful segue, young Sethi. Fair play to you. That's <laughs> remarkable work. Anyone would think you were good at this or something. Uh, we'll be back to you to finish uh, second uh, last part of the show with your wrap-up thoughts in a second. So anything you'd like, Harry, to mention that, you know, that gave you a bit of jollies as well, apart from, um, you know, whatever we've talked about, do also layer it in there and Dave let's see you and I take this to the death before I go back to Harry and then finish the show with you they on the back of the 5-0 bring on Sabitzer uh, 
interesting. You know, it made me interested. I was looking at Sabitzer thinking, yeah, that's yeah, we could possibly do a lad like that. But there he is. Anyway, coming on for them, 77 minutes. We bring on, I think, four different players. I've made a ball to this. I know Miller came on. I know Bobby came on. I know Bacicic came on. Uh, I think Jota came on as well. Uh, I think it was Henderson, Darwin, Cody, and Fab that went off. But yes. if I've made a mistake no, there, feel free to uh, to uh, correct me. One of my favorite moments of this uh, second half was Trent winding Fernandez up uh, after he uh, Trent had slid in on him. <laughs> it was fucking great. Slid in on him on the uh, dead ball line, and uh, he's just looking at it. it. The attitude is just like. You know what are you? <laughs> what have you got? He's got nothing. The 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 Portuguese lad has nothing for Trent. Uh, Trent is king of the castle on his own patch at that stage. Eighty one minutes. There was a Harvey effort which was easily saved. If we're being honest, but on eighty four we go six nil ahead. Now, you know. I suppose at this stage of post match raw we should say yes. It may be going a little bit long. But probably you should relish the fact that we are 6-0 fucking up against Manchester United. It is Mo Salah. VAR does check it, and it's given. Uh, it's wonderful stuff. Ends up with basically a Harvey ball into Bobby Firmino, which breaks to Mo, who pings at home inside the six-yard box. You can do your uh, description of it better than I can, possibly, Dave, if you want. Um, at that point, uh, Gary Neville is drawing attention to the fact that Bruno Fernandes wants to go off. Uh, and I have made a little note there that I wanted to say to you earlier on that like, I don't think this guy passes the dickhead test. 84 minutes, Curtis comes on for Harvey. And we're not done. And I have noted, by the way, young Hendrick, that you said, I'm disappointed in the title of this, by the way, in the title of this Skype chat, should have been eight. Um, mm. Disappointed it wasn't eight. I agree. Because yeah. it's seven nil on 88. Uh, it's Bobby Firmino. And listen, let's, let's take a second to revel in this because it's the second time this thing happened in the game. And normally you see this thing happening in a game and you go, Oh, for fuck's sake, what's the point of that? It's a ball that's kind of slid to the near post on the deck, and there's no angle. And this is the second time it's happened. First time it happened, Cody Gakpo finished imperiously. The second time it happened, it's Bobby fucking Firmino finishing imperiously. Curtis plays the ball to Mo, who plays the ball to Bobby, who swivels and finishes. It is absolutely outrageous. This guy immediately right now is doing what I hoped he would do. He is beginning a farewell tour of Sinatra proportions, which may well end up with us achieving something really good on the back of some of his efforts. And I found this to be really heartening in the extreme because the guy could have taken all the plaudits he was getting during the week and sat on his hole. But no, he came in, he got he got involved and he's showing class like that is a moment of class. There should have been possibly a, a pen for Trent on 90 minutes. You may disagree. There was three minutes added. Uh, Mo gets what I know is is player of the match called at this stage on Sky uh, on the 91st minute. We, we saw Jimmy Milner doing trips, tricks up in the top right hand corner. Not quite step overs, but rolling his foot over the ball. Uh, <laughs> when Jimmy Milner's doing that, 
in the attacking third, you know you're uh, in hog heaven. And I thought there possibly could have been a penalty for Jota on 93 minutes, but we didn't see one replay because why would you in the uh, Man United media cartel? Anyway, game over, seven fucking nil. Talk to me about the last part of that match and bear in mind I'm coming back to you to finish. So don't be doing any big generalizations yet. I'll come back to you to finish the show. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. So, we go five up through Darwin's header, which is a great cross from Henderson and, and would, would beg the question as to why he doesn't cross like that from the other side when he tends to overhit it and miss everybody. Like, if you can do it there, why can't you do it from the side you're more comfortable on? Great cross, great header. Klopp rings the changes. Obviously, the, the poor little gnome had to go off because his little legs just, just couldn't work anymore. He'd already had to have one little lie down on the ground uh, because his little legs had run out of steam. Casemiro, the, the, you know, the monstrous midfielder, he's had to go off because he's just been run into the ground as well. And um, you think when, you know, when the four lads are coming on, oh, we're, you know, we're just going to see this out here, except that I had tweeted that, you know, 5-0 is notably quite a dangerous lead and we should probably just get six just to be safe. Um, <laughs> and then Mo's goals. And the thing with the thing with both the Mo's goals in this game are, are like the nonchalance of the finishes. Like that the first one when oh. Darwin hit under hits the pass to Harvey and then does really well to kind of get back to the ball and direct it forward again and it hits McTominay and drops to Mo. And he just turns and leathers it like, but it's it's almost like I thought he thought he was offside and that's why he hit it the way he did, but he clearly wasn't offside. And then the same with the his second goal, like it just drops him and it's real just a real nonchalant finish into the back of the net. Um with his standing leg. Yeah, literally. Literally. And then Bobby gets the eighth and it's a great finish. Great work. I thought Bastage was brilliant in that goal as well. Uh, he won it, gave it to, to Curtis. Curtis drove. I, th- yeah. I thought that was a really nice goal as well. I thought Curtis had a good cameo uh, when he came on. He looked, looked full, of, full of running and, and, and legs. Um, we get the, the, the sixth, and I tweet, well, you know, 6-0 is a very dangerous lead. We should probably get a seventh. And 
then we went and got a seven. So I thought, well, <laughs> it's worked twice so far. So obviously, you know, seven nil is a dangerous lead. We should probably get the eighth uh, just to be certain. And <laughs> you have to remember, we score our, our seventh goal at um, 88 minutes. Now, by the rules of the game, every goal is meant to equal an extra 30 seconds added on at the end of the game. Okay, so there's six goals yeah. in the second half. There's three minutes. There were also a couple of VAR checks. That's probably another minute. And there were either nine or ten substitutions made by both managers. We made five, and I think I think they made five. Maybe it was just no. I think I think they made five. So there's ten subs. There's another five minutes. Um, so that's another five minutes on top of the three and the one. So there really should have been. Yeah, they made five subs. There should have been nine minutes added on. Now, I guarantee you that if that game was 4-3 to us and they had a chance, there would have been nine or ten minutes added on. But the fact that 7-0 to us, we don't get our nine minutes because you wouldn't want to be embarrassing Manchester United anymore. But we should have gotten a full ten minutes after the seventh goal to go and chase number eight. And I am convinced we would have got it. Because it's a really good had, point. It's a really it's, good point. But like, all I'm looking for here is consistency. And I know it's a, a minor thing, but I, I do want to come back to the referee in a bit. But it's I want consistency. The, the added time needs to be a consistent thing. Not, oh, just give it three minutes. Like, no, it's not just three minutes. It's nine minutes needed here at least. And uh, we we should have scored an eighth because we Jota got in down the left. We had four lads streaming into the box. All he had to do was pick the right option. And he tried to beat the man and fucked it up. That should have been goal number eight. Uh, I do think there was real call for a penalty when he tried to work his way around Luke Shaw. And Shaw just put his heft into it. And seemed to throw an arm back and catch him in the face because Jota stayed in the ground for quite a while. Um, yeah, it's a penalty. So it is a penalty. We just didn't. We didn't I, get to see the replay. Didn't get to see a replay. But we got plenty of replays when Ibu slapped Bruno Fernandez in the chest mm. and Bruno went mm. down like he'd been shot. We got plenty of replays on the even on the Martinez forearm to to Mo. We got replays on that, but we didn't get a replay of that one, which was weird. Um, Luke Shaw should have been sent off in this game. Let's let's go through these things. Luke Shaw should have been sent off. He was booked. He should have been booked at least two other times, one of which for putting his knee into Darwin's back when Darwin was on the floor. Um, Martinez should have been sent off because he should have got a yellow for the forearm on Mo, and then he did get a yellow card in the second half. So I, I genuinely don't know how they end the game with 11 men. And I know these are minor gripes, but again, all I'm looking for, for from referees is consistency. And I suppose in some ways I am getting consistency, but it's consistently shit from the likes of Andrew Madley, who along with his brother is just one of the biggest wet wipes I've ever seen. He was shocking. Like he was genuinely shocking today. Bruno should have been booked at least twice as well. Once for the dive when Ibu put his arm back and once for the dive at the other end when Allison slipped and Bruno tried to get the ball and just dove over Allison and then demanded a penalty. Um, 
genuinely an embarrassing performance by Fernandes. Like when you think about it, an absolutely shambolic performance from the Manchester United captain, but it fit in well with the rest of, of his teammates. We deserve to win. We deserve to win comfortably. That second half, we were phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, obviously, it gets a bit easier when you score two quick goals to begin the half. But I, I loved how relentless we were. I loved that in the last minutes of the game, we were still trying to score more goals. And if it wasn't for James Miller trying to run the ball into the corner flag, you might have liked it. I thought he was just pricking about. Get the ball in the box, son, and let's score another one. <laughs> it's still going on here. Hey, hey, it's Jimmy Miller doing well, step overs. What do you fucking want, lad? Well, with, with them, with <laughs> them, I want us to kill them until they're dead. Yeah, I want us with to, fire. Yeah, 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 I want us to destroy them every time we play them because yeah, yeah. I hate them. I I agree. I was I I that's the one thing I I did think is like don't be wasting time here. Like let's swing one more into the into the box mm. because these are fucked. These have given up. They, they these have. have given up. They're like they have, they their have, goalkeeper have. faced eight shots on target today, and seven of them went into the back of the net. And that's not <laughs> counting the the Ebu miss where he should have scored. Yeah. The two Robbo misses where he should have scored. And the second one is worse because if he just shifts the ball a little bit to oh. his right, to his left, Darwin just steps onto it and whips it into the back, into the far corner. But I mean, we were just that second half. We were so dominant. And even with the changes, like our tempo didn't drop. Basetic came on and just snapped into everything, won the ball multiple times, was driving us forward. One of the funniest moments was um, with Milner, where there was a Milner and Anthony tackle over on the far side. And Anthony kind of put his arm on Milner. Milner stepped away and then turned around and looked at him. And you could see him thinking, like, why is this child standing here? Why is he here? I'll kill him. <laughs> And Anthony just stands there trying to look tough. Like, son, you've been taught a lesson today. Andy Robertson's eating your lunch. James Miller's giving you a wedgie and sent you home crying. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is embarrassing for you. And you're still standing there trying to play the big I am. And I think this is part of where the idea of, you know, him and Martinez and these streetwise boys. The streetwise boys, yeah. Soft as shite, like. Like, you might act a big man. You're not going to do anything. Like, let's be honest. We we saw how tough them boys were today as they all just gave up. They gave up. They quit. And their captain was asking to be taken off as his team were getting destroyed. I'm sorry. Like, it just, the whole lot of it from top to bottom is just so funny. There's there's nothing about them that worries me as a real title contender in the next couple of years because if I look at that team, you're not winning another title with De Gea because you can't win a title in the Premier League now playing his deeper line and you have to play a deep line with him. I, I, I quite like Deloe. He's had a good season, but I, again, I don't think he's a title-winning player. Luke Shaw's there nine years now. Like People forget he's there nine years. Yes, he's having a resurgence this year. Yes, he had a good season the year there was no fans, but he's been largely shit for most of his time there, and he's not young anymore. Uh, Martinez, I don't think you're winning the Premier League with a, with a centre back who's five eight, five nine. I'm just he he contested one aerial duel today and lost it 
one. And that's constant. He's the worst centre-back in the league in the air. He's dreadful. He's good on the floor. He's good with the ball. But when teams put him under pressure, and I think as teams get more tape on him, more stats on him, we'll see more teams put big strikers up against him and bully him. And I think he's going to get chased. Varane and Casemiro are great players, but they're at the end of their peaks. They're going to start declining. Fred, well, Fred went full Fred today and was dreadful. I just don't see it with Anthony. I, I really don't. I no, just don't was. see it. According, according, according to Sky Sports, he was he was remarkable. He maybe have had the best game of his United career. That's but, again the propaganda machine. You know, Fred like Andy Robertson ate him up. That's the point. Ate him up. That's the point. Listen, you look like you're going off on one here in terms of uh, blowing all the end of show stuff. So <laughs> compose, come back to me. Come back. To me. Compose yourself and get a few uh, ideas together while me and young Sethi get his final ideas. Because, dude, what an afternoon! I, it sometimes yeah. I think it's important that we pause, right, and we say. Sometimes things are bad, but we've all lived through seasons where a result like this, I know it's pathetic, but it would have made your season because your sights were so low. Our sights are no longer low. Um, and it's the source of frustration for us that, uh, that that is the case. But this is a statement and a half right here. Uh, in on this afternoon on this on this Sunday evening and it feels like it's worthy of celebration not in a way where you go and you take like fucking dopey Martin Tyler suggested victory laps that was never going to happen but what you do is you go all right actually there's a team here and more to the point what really 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 heartens what really gives you a sense Harry of potential if not for this season then for the next is that there are lads who we have um invested in like Gakpo and like um Darwin who look like they may be as you said earlier on to go full circle and tie it in here uh glimpses of what our future might look like yeah and I think I think after after the club decided not to sign a midfielder and in January, I thought that probably the only way Liverpool were going to salvage the season in terms of actually maybe pushing pushing for top four, pushing for Champions League qualification was going to be if the attack caught fire, right? It was going to be if Mo Salah caught fire, which we've seen uh, every single season, I think, yeah. over yeah. Uh, over his time here, that he that there is a period where he does catch he catch fire. And I think he's he's really feeling it of late. Um, and you, you could sort of see in the past few games, his touch was back. Some of the, the sharpness was there. And the goals that they underline that is his record underlines that. And Gakpo and Nunez was really important that they caught fire as well, that they get, they'd get the confidence. And that's why I was so worried about the the impacts of that 5-2. But this is what excites me here. And that, yeah, we, we know this is a compromised squad at the moment we know where the where the holes are uh, and it's, it's going to be I'm sure there's going to be some bumpy uh, games before the end of the season but uh, if we can get this attack purring I think it's 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 good enough and talented enough to, to push us into an improbable uh, what looked improbable sort of qualification for uh, for the Champions League you can see the other sides starting to flag around us a little bit and the table looks a lot more encouraging 
Uh, you know, Newcastle do not have these goals in them. You know, they, 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 they've built their sal- themselves off uh, defence. Tottenham have been atrocious for a very long time and somehow have been you know, sort of grinding out uh, result here and there. But uh, don't look again like they've got these goals in them. So, yeah, for it, it's going to be sort of a compromised way to do it. But I think that with the firepower that exists there, feeling confident, feeling uh, you're more of a unit, that's going to be really, really important for us. But when you mentioned Bobby Chav, that was that was really all I wanted. Uh, once Bobby came on the pitch, I, I mean, it, once the news was announced, it was I was talking about wanting a no look finish, wanting to see more of those celebrations, yeah. wanting, to, <laughs> wanting to see him go on that sort of farewell tour, as you mentioned, because. I'm sure there'll be there'll be plenty of pods where we talk about him, but yeah, at his best, he sort of symbolised everything for uh, sort of this evolution under Klopp: the intensity, the flair, um, the, the selflessness, and so just just great to see him scoring, great to see the players sort of you know um, giving him his due as well. Uh, really, really lovely moment there, and Salah, yeah, becoming the all-time uh, Premier League um, leading goalscorer for Liverpool. Yeah, just huge, huge. I mean, we, we've been lucky enough to talk about games against United now. I mean, I think what this is now 17-2 on aggregate across the last four games. We've played them. We've, we've talked about watching fans run out of Old Trafford because of sort of the manner of the performance that we were putting in. It's 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 been really great to to see. So there's been plenty of great moments for us to to watch and. Yeah, as I wrap up, I mean, trying to think of some of the some of the stats or remember some of the stats as Carl often does on these pods. And I think there was one I'd seen around um, uh, sort of Salah's individual record. I think it's yes, yeah, since 2017-18, Salah has received more yellow cards for taking his shirt off celebrating scoring against United uh, than United have scored goals against Liverpool. <laughs> so that's that's a real. I'm not sure it's going to get much better than that for, oh, for, for the stats and yeah I mean even even the the, the individual Salah stuff right 129 goals 126 XG for the, for the XG fans I mean this guy has been a, a complete force of nature for for Liverpool and he's yeah you look at it now and you think he's feeling it he's, you know, the ego's there um, what's going to happen for the remainder of the season I can't really summarise over a podcast the meltdown that Gary Neville's had uh, whilst we've been recording this, but like, it's, it's if you if you're listening to this, it's well worth checking out that because Sunez has had it um, had him on and uh, he's really really struggled actually in the is is not not as bad as Fernandez, but he's it's it's close. It's not it's not good and um, yeah, a couple pods ago, um, I think it was the nil nil against Palace. Um, I think I was I before we started recording and. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, so I just I'd, I'd made myself a tea, and I'd, I had the audacity to talk about how I had a herbal tea um, <laughs> going into the, the podcast. Today it's been different, as we as we spoke about Trev, but I'm in good company. It, it, it turns out because uh, Jeff Shreves has asked Mo Salah how he's going to celebrate becoming Liverpool's all-time uh, leading Premier League goalscorer, and he said he's going to go home to be with his family, uh, have a chamomile tea, and uh, and go to sleep. So I think that's <laughs> yes, indeed, that's wonderful stuff. Thank you very much, Harry Sethi. And also, just yes. before you, before you disappear, my friend, what's going on with you in the week? 
Yes, yeah, so there'll be another. Of course, there's a little bit. Um, one more game before this gap that we have. Um, yes, and so it's going to be uh, Bournemouth. So there'll be a rival recon ahead of the Bournemouth game. And uh, I mean, come on, after after, after winning seven nil against United at home, I mean, that's just, surely we've got to try and do a tribute act to that um, away to away to Bournemouth. But that yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one. So that, yeah, there'll be a pod ahead of that, and then uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a break for us until the next uh, Premier League game. But it's no small one. It's of course. Uh, City, so there'll be another one ahead of that. Um, uh, yeah, what's sure to be a very um, intense game on uh, on April first. So yeah, check out those pods. Plenty to look forward to there from Harry. Um, and if you are not listening to Harry on a regular basis, then you need your head read. Do absolutely do that. And Dave, wrap us up, man. Your final thoughts and also your. Uh, directors for people who are not sure where to go what have you got in the week uh nothing this week at all uh, i'm not available this week so uh this will be my last pod probably for a week 10 days okay um so, oh actually i might need to swap out on bournemouth next week as well um just just a couple of things like Darwin, the flop Nunes, that's now 14 goals and four assists uh, in his debut season with the club, which I think is a, is is a quite an impressive effort, especially when you factor in he's only played about 1,900 minutes of football for us this season. So it's a goal or an assist just over every 100 minutes while also largely playing a lot of football on the left wing, which obviously isn't his primary position is not what we bought him for but he's doing a job for us because of injuries and he's doing it very very well uh, Mohamed Salah 22 goals and 11 assists this season uh, this is you know Mo, Mo Salah having a, a bad season um, God bless the rest of everybody when he has a good season because you know that's fairly sensational that is uh, 33 goals and assists for Mo this year. Marcus Rashford, of course, the best player in the world at 32 goals and assists on the season. Make of that what you will. Worth remembering that we were missing two, I think two nailed on starters today in Thiago and, and Luis Diaz. And we still did that. So that's nice. It's the third time this season we've scored seven goals or more. Uh, just some numbers on Harvey Elliott, because we know what he can do going forward. We saw his, involvement in multiple goals today and obviously got himself a nice assist uh, off the ball um eight ground duels of which he won six of them uh, he also made four tackles which was more than our other two midfielders combined um he's not known for his uh ball winning but i think he was he was very good in that regard today and like again the whole team was very good today um First half, again, like, iffy, iffy first half. They potentially should have scored twice. Bruno should have scored. Rashford should have scored. But we were, I think, on balance, the better team first half, even if the goal came slightly against the run of play because they were kind of on the up at that point. I do think we were the better team first half. And second half, we've just absolutely wiped the floor with them. It's It's one of the best halves of football we've had. Under Jurgen, it's certainly one of the most enjoyable halves of football we've had under Jurgen, and I, I think Graeme Souness just eating Gary Neville alive in post-match um, analysis is, is a wonderful thing. Considering Neville and Keane had themselves a little laugh at Souness before the game when Graeme said uh, 
it was the most confident he'd been in a Liverpool win in quite some time, which considering we've hammered them multiple times was saying a lot, but you know, they had themselves a little chuckle and they're not fucking chuckling now, are they? Um, yeah, just all in all, a, a fantastic, fantastic day to be a red and not so good for the United fans, but look, at least they got out on 75 and got to get home early. Do you know, that's the most important thing that their end was empty. On 75, they were streaming for the door when Mo, Mo scored his first goal and there wasn't barely 10 of them left by the end of it. So, you know, it, they kind of took the lead from their captain who also wanted to get off home when we were 4-0 up. Viva la Ten Hag Revolution, I think is basically what we're saying here. Look at them go. Uh, I, 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 I can't help but have a little bit of a gloat because I too noticed that clip that you mentioned um, where a fella of as much gravitas as Graeme Sunez was being sneered at by Roy Keane and Gary Neville, but what has gone unnoticed by most people is he was also being chuckled at by Jamie Carragher, who mm. has fully bought into the cult, if we're being perfectly honest. So that would be Everton fan, uh, Jamie Carragher. Of Everton fan. Just, Jamie just one last thing. Mo is now, not only is he past Fowler and become our all-time leading Premier League goal scorer, he is very, very quietly moving himself up on the uh, all-time leading scorer and if barring a injury or a catastrophic loss of form he will end this season as the fifth highest goal scorer in club history which is an incredible thing when you consider how many fewer games he's played than Gerard, who played 710 games admittedly most in midfield but a lot of times a 10 or a right winger um he'll pass him this season he's six or eight behind him now. He's, I think, five, four or five behind Fowler now in total. And yet he's played 70 fewer games than Robbie or 80 fewer games than Robbie. And Robbie was a nine. Robbie was an outright number nine. And Mo is still scoring at a significantly better rate than him. Mo is second only to Gordon Hodgson in terms of games per goal. Hodgson a goal every 1.56 games. Mo is at a goal every 1.63 games, which is better than Roger Hunt, better than Ian Rush, better than Billy Diddle, better than Robbie Fowler, better than Kenny Dogleash, better than Michael Owen, and better than anyone else you can name. So for as long as we have this lad, and, you know, sadly at the end of the season, he'll be the last remaining member of that incredible front three. Uh, we need to cherish every single moment we have with this fella because what we're witnessing with him is an absolutely historic run of form across the last six ga- six seasons. And even when he might not look like he's at his best, he's still as lethal as anyone in the league. So, you know, stick your Marcus Rashford for the Ballon d'Or nonsense up your backsides and uh, understand that when it comes down to it, when all the fucking about is over and all the messing ends and you're looking for someone to get you a goal in a big game, there's no one like Mo. There's no one like Mo. Might use that as a title. I have 
decided at this stage that there's no point in me saying anything else. I had loads of ideas, but we've gone so fucking long. It's like longer than the match. Uh, this is always going to happen. Thanks to Harry Sethi and to Dave Hendrick for their wonderful contributions on this show. As is their usual won't. If you are not familiar, then go and listen to both of the lads as often as possible. Uh, I'll be back during the week with various other bits and bobs, including Malby on the spot with Reds legend Jan Malby. But until then, we'll wait until next weekend where who knows what's going to happen, but maybe at last there's an uptick in this weird season for the Reds. I've been Trev Downey. You heard Dave Hendrick. You heard Harry Sethi. And we'll be back with you very, very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.